0: Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. We have commit and we have liftoff at 2.13. And it cleared the tower. Prepare yourself for a world of <laughs> What is going on, everybody? Conley here with the Science Night in the morning. Yep, I said that singularly, and it's all good because uh, you know what? We have Dr. Sean Graham in the house all the way from Australia, and uh he's going to be gracing us with a very optimistic uh antidote. Would you say that? Um, it's not gonna be anecdote. Uh no you
1: know, antidotes.
0: Anecdote,
1: no, uh it's uh, cause I've got a bunch of data for you guys. This is this is not... So give us a little background. A, this, yeah, so this is a super optimistic story, super optimistic uh, show, but we're going to be talking about death the entire show. But I promise you, by the end of the show, <laughs> you will be glad to be alive. You'll be happy <laughs> that you heard the show. I so
0: you know that okay you're in Australia you're down under. It's right. not easy to live there, right? Oh this is so great. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Why do you say that? Why do you say that? Well because like when you think about Australia it's separate it's separate from any other giant mass, right? Of uh of of population, like we're in the high desert, you lived here in Alpine for a while. And what I tell people all the time is like, you know, the desert is a beautiful, but very dangerous place. And it, it, it recycles people like nothing. (laughs) Like it's a, it's a revolving door for people who can't take it. And it just just keeps like pushing them out. The ones that can't take it, but the ones that are resilient enough to live here, get to capture the beauty that really is uh, special and i would figure that it's something similar uh over in uh australia so what makes you think it's a dangerous place well there's kangaroos there's giant like <laughs> spiders everywhere i hear like crocodiles or you know whatever uh just murder people like perfect. there's sharks yeah, this is a perfect lead-in for this for the topic of the show because I,
1: <laughs> I know Australia has that reputation, and when people tell me when I tell people I moved to Australia, they're like, "Oh my God, are you going to be okay? There's venomous snakes there," <laughs> and uh, and I and I love, I mean, it's it's got to the point. Even though, you know, tourism is uh, the number two industry in Australia, uh, be, behind mining. Mining is number one.
0: And number what do they mine for?
1: everything all kinds of rare earth minerals and things like that huh. but you know coal a little bit of coal they're really environmentally uh, you know good about it but it is their number one industry it, it 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 partially allows for the remarkably good standard of living that we have here in Australia but number 2 is tourism people love to come to Australia but i wonder how much more tourists would come if it didn't have this bad reputation and and it's totally ill deserved because even though, yes, there are lots of venomous creatures here and there are crocodiles in the northern part of the country, it's one of the safest places on earth to live. And it has one of the highest standards of
0: living of any place on earth.
1: And, you know, yeah, but example,
0: I, I just read a, I read a story the other day. Uh, what, what are those snakes in your herpetologist, you know, those, yeah, brown, yeah. those brown snakes that are really deadly that are all over the yeah, place? Yeah. You'll find them in your car.
1: Yeah, exactly, and they they are they're like suburban snakes here, the eastern brown snake. Yeah, the and eastern you, brown if, snake. If, yeah. If, if you li- if you listen to you know the cockamamie uh, you know uh, media, um, the the crappy top ten lists, the top ten most deadly creatures on earth, and the uh, you know there's this myth out there that the top ten most deadly snakes on earth all live in Australia, um, and it was really kind of. Popularized by Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, who's oh, a yeah. documentary. You can watch it on YouTube, called "The Top Ten Deadliest Snakes on Earth." And he just he never leaves Australia. He goes from place to place, uh, mishandling all of these very toxic <laughs> snakes. And what it is, the that's based on toxicity. Mm. Venom is very potent. So it turns out the number one deadliest quote unquote snake on earth. It's called the inland taipan. It lives out in the middle of nowhere in central Australia, and you know how many people it's killed? How many? How many, how many confirmed kills? Zero. Zero. It's never. It's never killed anyone. So Wait. how does that?
0: Work? Yeah. Zero fatalities in humans attributed to that. Well, way. that that kind of reminds me of the daddy long legs, which is like a very venomous spider, but it doesn't and, have pincers. I'm so glad
1: you brought that up because that's another myth. That's totally Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, huh. the, the granddaddy long legs, it, it it's a t- type of uh, arachnid called it's not even a spider. It's it's called a harvestman. It's in its huh. own separate group. They got those long spindly legs and they're they're not venomous at all. They can't bite people. And you yeah. know, the myth is Oh, if they had fangs big enough to penetrate human skin that they could kill you. And, and that's just not true. So there's – it's a, interesting it too great. Uh, and we didn't even plan this. But <laughs> thank you so much. You set this up so well because there's so many myths out there and so much misinformation. And the media uh, loves to sell things so much that they want to scare the hell out of you so that you'll click on the next thing or you'll watch the next segment on your local news And, you know, when's the last time you were listening to the local news and they came on and they said, hey, it has never been a better time to be alive than right now. (laughs) Never. Ever. Never. That is true. It is never in human history. Every year that history turns to a new year, things get better and better for humanity and the data Mm. prove it. Over and over again, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Cool. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of uh, give you a ton of real statistics, not anecdotes and not crap, right? <laughs> um, and I'm going to give you uh, an outline of kind of the whole history of humanity and what was it like to be human for most of our existence up until about 150 years ago when something big changed. A lot of big things started changing and things got really good. And for a while, it was really good, and it got way better for only uh developing or like developed countries what yeah. we you know we used to call first world countries, our country, and Western Europe. But now the amazing thing if you look at the data, the rest of the world is catching up, so we 're right on the cusp of turning the corner where de- you know developing nations are are starting to show the same demographic trends that the U S you know, accomplished and finished back in the 1950s.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh,
1: Lowering birth rates, lowering fertility rates, a, a a larger group of aging citizens, uh, all this stuff. even the developing world is turning the corner. Hmm. So like in the next 50 years, despite what the media would tell you that, you know, the world is collapsing around our ears we really have a chance to for the entire world to become to get this profile
0: of uh really good things and then move on we really have that chance so if you were to visualize it as a bell curve where are we on that bell curve and where are the com- the countries that are turning the corner yeah. at
1: so maybe, maybe we'll start with where we are and then work backwards. How about that?
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, let's okay, do it. So
1: in the United States, uh, we'll look at a couple of kind of demographic trends that characterize, you know, Western countries. Um, and one of the things that you can kind of look at is, uh, you know, the top 10 causes of death. And for that, I'm, you know, there's this incredible tool that you can look at. Uh, the World Health Organization puts this stuff up and you can look at any country from any year in the past 20 years. Uh and I'll just look at this uh not not 2020 because it's a it's an anomaly, but 2019. So the top 10 causes of death, what do you think they are for the US?
0: Probably heart disease. Number yeah, 1. Number
1: 1, number 1 is heart disease. Okay. Uh do you, do you think that gun violence is anywhere on that?
0: Uh I rarely doubt it. Yeah, yeah, you're, that's that's good.
1: Yeah, most people would would probably think that yeah, like gun violence is you know number three or something, right? It's yeah, top ten. Now suicide mm-hmm. by, by
0: uh, is suicide is nearly on the list.
1: It's not, but it's like number
0: eleven. Well, they call or they just, call that losing your battle with depression is what they call right. that now. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm not like making a joke out of it. It's like real. Like that's what oh, they I'm call it gonna, now. I,
1: I don't care what they're trying to, they're (laughs) trying to use a euphemism. Suicide's a word in the dictionary and they can stuff it. It, Okay. All right. I don't care if they try to change the word to make it sound better. It's, 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 it is what it is. And my point is that it's higher than homicide.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Even globally,
1: globally, which is that that's actually amazing. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, Top ten in the U.S. All the top ten, none of them are infectious diseases uh, for the past twenty years. Wow! It's all it's all like you know stuff associated with aging, heart disease, kidney disease, stroke. Uh, you know these kinds of things, uh, cancer, right? Mm-hmm. These are things that are associated with age that really like we can't cure
0: these things. We never and associated with the lifestyle choices too.
1: Well, no, it's, it, yeah. Wouldn't you it, think it, that? Obviously, yeah. So a lot of these things you can delay having a heart attack, uh, right, if you eat well and you're healthy and that kind of things. Having an early heart attack, right, that's probably not a good thing. But, look, it, you you can't cure all of these things and expect people to live forever. A lot of these things are associated with age, and there's really, like, you could live to be 99 and you'll still die of a heart attack.
0: right
1: Right. yeah it's these things are associated with super old populations people that had the privilege of living to be 85 years old or plus right yeah and like no matter how good you live your life you're you're still uh you know when you die in your sleep that's probably because of heart failure and you're going to get on this list as heart disease right yeah it's it's just the way it is. these are things associated with aging populations. Cancer, especially cancer, is a really good example. Right, rates of cancer have increased phenomenally over in Western countries in the past fifty to one hundred years, mm-hmm. and cancer is virtually unknown in like uh, hunter-gatherer cultures.
0: Now, why is that? Well, we've been we've, we've been had- very efficient, uh, quote unquote, hunters. <laughs> Right. Right. Well. Yeah. So, like McDonald's, like can spit a burger out in like fifteen seconds.
1: Yeah, and you know this is another interesting trend. And and you're wrong, by the way. But you're right in a way. But you're also wrong. It's kind of the same thing we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The last one hundred years, deaths associated with infectious diseases, mumps, measles, flu, those have all plummeted. During the same time period, the cancer has increased. So, you can look at that two different ways. Hmm. You can say, oh, well, I guess that means vaccines cause cancer, <laughs> right? Well, you could see it no. that way, but yeah, age, age too. An idiot, an idiot too. would look at that. That's right. Yeah. An idiot would go, okay, uh, because we're vaccinating more, we're curing infectious diseases, preventing them, but we're causing cancer. No. Everyone's prolonging long enough yeah. to get cancer. Right. Cancer right. is associated with age. You have to get multiple mutations. Over your lifetime, they accumulate, and eventually you're going to die of cancer. And there's hardly anything we can do about it. Even if we cure certain cancers, other ones will pop up. If you live to be 130, there's a really good chance that sometime in your life you'll accumulate these mutations, you'll get cancer. Cancer is a, a disease of privilege. It's a, right. it, You're lucky to live long enough to get cancer. 150 years ago, hardly anyone died of cancer because nobody lived long enough to get it.
0: But well, what do you, Part what of, are you talking about? Like those kids that you see on the, the, the yeah, commercials it that you yeah, yeah. donate. It,
1: it, it's very rare though. It's very rare. It is rare. So, okay.
0: And like 150 years ago, people still died of
1: cancer, but it was just rare.
0: It's right, just all right.
1: percentage. It's all numbers game. Right. Okay. So that's really what's going on with the trend. 150 years ago, very few people got cancer because, uh, the, <laughs> this is another telling statistic you know before the industrial revolution average lifespan of humans was about 40
0: 40 years what that was life expectancy
1: life expectancy has nearly doubled and only in the last well wait wait hold
0: on hold on did that number get skewed because like back then they had about 7 to 10 kids per family and only half of not even half of them maybe yes. even more than half were expected well, one, to live so wouldn't that skew the number
1: Oh, yeah. Well, so that, but that counts, doesn't it? The fact that you had a 50% chance of dying before you were three, 150 years ago.
0: Right, that, right. Yeah, but it's, not, it, yes. it, it seems it like mortality. you're saying that people that once they hit 40, they're going to die, but that's not the case. It's just right. that it's just there's the a whole bunch chances. of like two and three oh, yeah. and four and.
1: Yes, yes.
0: All that. Stuff.
1: So so people still lived to be grandparents 150 years ago. There were still yeah. people who lived to be 75, 80, but there they just weren't as many.
0: Right. They were near as many. Sure. And
1: uh, a huge driver of that trend was not necessarily adult mortality, but infant mortality. Ah,
0: and that's yes. Still,
1: that's still the case in developing countries. Like if you go and look at this, you know, cause of death, top 10 causes of death, and you go to some other countries developing countries what what should we choose what do you want to see ethiopia okay haiti
0: how about haiti or ethiopia either one
1: okay yeah these are ones that you know are the stereotypical um well my cousin
0: went to haiti and he he gave me some really cool details uh about that he won a uh really prestigious award and emmy for the document uh documentary that he did in haiti so
1: yeah. So um, the picture changes. It's amazing, though. Even in Haiti, number one. Heart, heart disease. <laughs> yeah. Number two, stroke. Incredible. This is what I'm talking about. This All is the related to mind. the heart. When I started when I when I started looking at these data, I was like expecting you know infant mortality, diarrhea to be number one and two in some of these developing countries. And it's not. Now, huh. if you go down the list, it starts picking up. Uh, infectious diseases, there's like five or six different classes that are in Haiti that you don't see in the U.S. Neonatal conditions, that's, you know, infant problems, that's uh-huh. number four. Number that's four. four. Yeah. And so wow. you have that in developing countries. You still have – now, I would guess that – let's look at – let's test this hypothesis. If you went back to 2000, I wonder if it's – Let's see five. where the bell
0: curve is.
1: Oh wow. So whew, this is a, this is telling. So heart disease number 3 20 years ago. Huh. Number 1 AIDS. 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 Really? One. To 2000 oh, just 2000. Yeah. And in several African uh countries uh HIV AIDS is still number 1. Um and like or number 2. Three. Well, why the hell yeah. they have
0: all those shitty concerts in the 90s. <laughs> Well, that doesn't, they didn't. They didn't that was not cool. Okay. Right.
1: Like, yeah, this is another thing. You know, it's still out there. Uh, we have, you can treat it. And so it, it's amazing. Even in Haiti, it wasn't even in the top 10, I think, in 2019. Uh, but let's get back on track. Yeah. Okay, it's, sorry. It's, it's still on the list in 2020. It's just down to number five. So, wow. It looks like they're getting things under control. They're, huh. not, they're not getting it under control everywhere because not everyone has access to the treatment. Mm. But you get the idea that uh, infant mortality is a huge driver of, you know, lower life expectancy.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: and it is a characteristic of, uh, you know, the, the kind of demographics of developing countries, not yeah. of Western countries. And it's a characteristic of demographics of, uh, for most of human history. Wow. Right, so developing okay. countries are still showing these old these the demographics that we've had since we were primates, extremely high infant mortality, low life expectancy um, and, you know, death due to infectious diseases and violence. These are all mm. characteristics of uh, kind of more developing countries and hunter gatherer societies.
0: How much time we got? before? Well, well, well we have about uh, about five minutes Okay. Before we go to, but uh, I'm interested in this hunter-gatherer society, right? Let's, what would you, you consider go, us?
1: We, before we go back in time, we're going to do that after the break. And okay. Really start okay. getting into hunter-gatherer societies. Okay. Uh, let's let's explore the kind of developed countries, nation states that we. Uh, the United States is a nation state, you know, in terms of like archaeological or anthropological right. kind of, and nation states have, you know, especially developed ones like ours. But we've we've turned a huge corner, and looking at these disease, uh, these curves, you know, i you can really see that we're on the cusp of something here. Because even in the developing countries, the age profile is starting to get lockstep with with what ours is, right? Mm. And you have very low population growth. You have a very large segment of aging population. Fertility and birth rates are really low. Education is available. Uh, contraceptives are available. And so you start seeing this this uh, profile of a population that's not going to necessarily wreck the environment if you, if you make some good decisions. And this is happening everywhere. And, and even in the developed world that, that we've turned the corner. If you look at Afghanistan in 2002, <laughs> where would you expect... What you expect like a crater probably a crater right, yeah. you're thinking this is one like it was an alphabetical order the, these little, like these uh
0: mine or maybe like a missile uh you <laughs> yeah. know 2002 we we sent everything over and we didn't keep yeah. the receipt so
1: exactly well so and that's amazing so in, <laughs> uh in 2002 um afghanistan's developing country Um, neonatal conditions, number one. So infant mortality is super high. Heart disease, number two. A lot of infectious diseases. Tetanus is on the top 10 list. Measles, meningitis. You know, it's not on there. Anything to do with war. Wow. In 2002. In 2003, it starts picking up. Uh, I think it really takes off in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, Number eight in Afghanistan in 2007 is collective violence and legal intervention, which is a euphemism for war. Uh, Right. So in 2007. yeah, that was Obama. This, this
0: did, that was the Obama administration. Oh
1: yeah, the surge, the surge is
0: happening. We're bombing uh, weddings in Yemen. I think you yeah, you yeah, mentioned before first, in a podcast. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, The first the first years of the war, though, you know, it's all these kind of strategic strikes and special forces. But yeah, you, it's amazing. But so on the list are things that are associated with an aging population. Hmm. Um, you get to some other countries. You know, El Salvador is not a pretty sight. Uh, El Salvador. You know, war, collective violence, or interpersonal violence is really high on the list. El Salvador has the highest homicide rate of any country in the world. Hmm. And um, maybe some more good news because that's a good one to look at. Homicide rate is this kind of thing that um, you know. And and you have a bell curve of that too I've in your research. On that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So intentional homicides per one hundred thousand population is the kind of uh, you know global standard. And El Salvador is highest with almost 85 intentional homicides per 100,000. And you go down the list. Where do you think the U.S. is on this list? This is like the top.
0: Global homicide? Yeah. Uh, Including or excluding Chicago? Uh,
1: You would have to include it, yeah.
0: Damn. Okay, well, I guess, uh, I don't know, probably in the 50s or 60s. No, 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 no.
1: You're right. You're right. Very good.
0: Yeah. Now our homicide rate,
1: like, you know, all the countries that have high uh, highest homicide rates are kind of small countries, developing countries, El Salvador, Honduras, Venezuela, you know, Mexico is actually not even in the top 10, which you wouldn't think, but it, hmm. it's, uh, it's pretty close. And then we're way down, I can't, I can't really see which one, but you know, we're in the top 50 and there's no developed, like super developed country anywhere near us yeah um but it's 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 high for developed but we have yeah, guns yeah and it's not high for 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 all countries, so our murder rate is is kind of i mean it's i would say average and it's going down now that's small uh you know consolation for somebody who's a victim of that, uh, or and I'm not trying to downplay sure, sure, sure. the situation we have here, uh, far from it. Part of the reason I'm in Australia, you know, the homicide rate in Australia per 100,000 is less than one. And yeah. in the U.S. It's average about five or six per 100,000. Yeah, so that, that's a huge swing. The U.S. is five or six times what it is in Australia. Um, yeah, you
0: take and, Chicago out of the equation, though, and then, like, that, that number. Well, yeah,
1: and, and the major source of gun violence in the U.S. is not mass shootings, which are horrifying and scare the hell out of me. They're, you know, just homicides where one, you know, typically right. gangbanger shoots another. Uh, gangbanger. Gang gun. Yeah. Gang gun violence is, is the, the reason why it's so disproportionate compared to other Western countries. Hmm. It's It's a huge problem. I hate it, but... You know, I'm just putting it in perspective. Now here's a good segue. Here's a good segue to the next segment where we're gonna go back in time and see what it was like when we were hunter gatherers, when we were pre civilized, pre state level societies. What do you think the homicide rate was back then? Do you think it like when we were Well, you know what? With spears and killing mammoths, what do you think of it? And giant
0: rocks, giant rocks. But we're gonna find that out right after the break. Cool. All right.
1: Hey, everybody, we're the Science Nights in the Morning. We got Sean Graham here, Conley Razor, as always, and we're talking about how it's never been better to be alive. It's a good time to be alive. And to prove that to you, I'm going to talk about death the entire show. But uh, so we we just got done kind of outlining the kind of classic, really interesting and uh, indicative. Statistics of the modern Western society with um you know uh, low low homicide rates uh generally um, lots and lots of uh old people dying of kind of diseases associated with old people uh, low infant mortality those are the typical things we see in, in right now average life expectancy uh as much as seventy to you know seventy five years old uh which is an amazing thing that we see now. And that's never been seen in human history until the last 150 years. It's, it's very characteristic of modern people. And that's what I mean. Like right now you can, you know, because we've vanquished many infectious diseases, because we have good hygiene, because we have, you know, uh, very good nutrition overall, we have the ability to live longer than humans ever have. We've almost doubled life expectancy. And uh, and life is pretty good. You know, your your chances of getting clubbed to death are not very good. Now, a lot of people are under the impression that you know hunter-gatherer societies are peaceful, were peaceful. Um, there, there's actually an amazing book that I suggest everybody read called "War Before Civilization: The Myth of the Noble Savage" um, that really dispels this idea. Really? Uh, a lot of, yeah, like, you know, people were under the impression because of one of the first archaeologists who looked at the Maya, that the Maya were peaceful. <laughs> and it's just absurd. Like, you know, half of their paintings or their, you know, carvings are of people, you know, getting their heads chopped off. And, they, you know, they were just as warlike and, you know, at war with other people and within their own, uh, you know, system as the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. or worse. And so, um, you know, and, and you would consider the, uh, the Maya and the Aztecs are actually state level societies. So we we could actually compare them to even less developed, you know, I don't want to give the impression that this is some sort of a scale, like you know, human societies are on some sort of scale, the better, worse, higher to lower, who cares. But yeah, the city states in Central America, um, in the, you know, 1300s, they were at war, just like states are now. but the level of violence in terms of per capita, you know your chances of dying um, were much higher before state-level societies developed, before civilization.
0: Well, what does that say about our ancestry and where we're at right now? Because I have ancestors that were Mayan that like I, I stem from that Mayan branch, and so like the fact that they survived long enough to you know propagate and have kids and blah 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 and like you know and the the fact that we're here kind of is a miracle right yeah
1: yeah and you know it's all it's all how you're how you're gonna die right you're gonna die yeah you're gonna die but uh, it's never been a would you rather be clubbed to death have your head chopped off die of mumps when you're four or would you rather live to be 75 have access to amazing entertainment and food and, and personalities and you can go to concerts like come on it's so good right now you can have raw oysters right now not an alpine unfortunately alpine is a primitive place where you probably couldn't get raw oysters
0: uh, they they have know? they they flown them in
1: really oh yeah you, oh, you, I'm live, not even joking. you live like a roman emperor doesn't have it as good didn't have it as good as you have it as a, just an average schmuck from the U.S. <laughs> a Roman emperor who, who was on, you know, uh, a campaign in Northern Europe in 300- Eating grapes years, off the vine? Would not have had raw oysters to eat. They couldn't have done it. Yeah, they couldn't have had it if he had that craving. Now, if he was back in Rome, maybe. But not, not, you know, you could do it. Like, you might have to go to,
0: you know, San Antonio, but
1: you get my idea.
0: I uh, yeah, I the, get it. The, the I get amazing,
1: it. I'm gonna send you
0: an alpine apple. <laughs> and, and it'll then... probably
1: make it here. It'll probably make it
0: here. It <laughs> probably but will. Let's
1: look, let's look at so it, the hunter-gatherer societies for, for something like 90% of human uh history, that's the kind of societies we lived in. And let's look at uh in some of the demographic information on what it was like to live as a hunter-gatherer. And we have these data from a couple of sources. We can kind of conjure them and estimate them based on archaeological evidence, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And we can also look at a few cases where there are still hunter-gatherers living right now or, you know, back uh, in the 1960s or earlier when, you know, anthropologists studied them. Without disturbing them, they hadn't been contacted or, or influenced too much by co- you know modern civilization. so it's a, you know there's enough data out there to get an idea. And the homicide rate <laughs> among uh, pre-civilization societies, we can look at both farmers that were pre-civilized and hunter-gatherers.
0: Hmm, okay. and the
1: homicide rate for hunter-gatherers was about one hundred and seventy five per one hundred thousand do you remember what it was for El salvador? I have no idea it was, was eighty five per one hundred thousand the highest homicide rate in the u in the world today is in el salvador really eighty five per one hundred thousand nearly twice that for hunter gatherers hmm
0: well why 000. why is that is that because like um technology wasn't Evolved enough to make us like not care. Like, did people not like pull weeds up out of the ground and smoke them? Like, what? What, <laughs> no, what, what is know, a, what the? What are the X we, factors here?
1: We don't. We don't need a value judgment thing. I think most people would jump to conclusions and say, "Oh, we're just so so much better people now, right?" And well, no, be, but
0: they had to be a lot more clever than we are now because they had to survive. They had to. I th-
1: I think that's romanticizing a little bit because, really? you know,
0: yeah, I think that we're just as clever now as that
1: we were 10,000 years ago. We got the same brains. We just know different things, right? Uh, How much I
0: has our brains, uh, have our brains like zero. changed? None? Zero.
1: None. Not, not if, if anything, I think we probably have been selecting for dumber people. But,
0: we, but we've possibly. been changing our environment and the environment like changes our brain right, waves.
1: Right. That's, no, it doesn't. It doesn't, well, what? it doesn't, it doesn't change us, at, like, so my point is, like, if you took, if you took a human baby f- from a Western country right now and transported them 10,000 years ago, and, and you raised them within those societies, they would turn out the exact same, right? As a There's
0: society. Not,
1: I, yeah, the, the society, the culture gives you the, the intelli- you know, all the information you need to live in that culture. I think uh-huh. we could probably agree on that. And vice yeah. versa. If you took a caveman from 50,000 years ago in Europe and transported him as a baby here to the U.S. now, they would grow up wanting to listen to, you know. You
0: know so basically what you're kind of saying animal. is that as long as the library is extensive, the culture can adapt. Right. right.
1: Yeah. The brain, uh, there's, there's no evidence that, you know, like, you know, brain cranial capacity has increased very much in humans over the last uh, fifty thousand years. Well, we've I mean, hit. Hey, we've hit a plateau years, in the last. Yes, I think that's one hundred percent. The last two million years, what's gotten more elaborate is the culture, not the brains. Does
0: that makes sense, right? Culture, yeah, right. exactly, right. exactly. Right, right,
1: right, right. In the last yeah. two million years, our brains' uh, capacity has gone off the charts, right? Yeah. When we diverged from our last common ancestor with chim- chimpanzees, we had about the same cranial capacity as a chimpanzee. And over the last two million years that you know went off the charts. It became the largest in proportion to size of any uh, animal that's ever lived. So that that has changed. But since in the last you know two hundred thousand years since we became fully modern humans, not much has changed brain wise. And so I don't think you can I don't, point to that. that. Uh,
0: okay, well I, I don't <laughs> know if you've looked at TikTok lately, but uh the, our our yeah. our gluteus maximus muscles are starting to turn uh, a lot redder hue if you uh
1: give the impression <laughs> i don't want to give the impression that humans have stopped evolving because we we are evolving in certain ways uh you know genetic changes are occurring i just don't think that anything is happening really nothing exciting is happening with the brain and so i don't think that you can point to that as like oh hunter gatherers had small brains and so they like to kill each other it was i think it's more of a function the, the small uh small population sizes, that are in kind of fierce competition for resources because they're having to hunt for food, they're having to gather all of their supplies. Uh, there, there is not as much collaboration going on in order to find food, right? They're just, you know, going around. If you find a neighboring tribe and they're, they're in your hunting grounds, I think, you know, 20,000 years ago, the idea was you got to scare them off or maybe even go to battle and if, you're, if your tribe only uh, you know has 150 people in, them, in it, and yeah. you get in a fight with this other group that's about the same size, and you lose five warriors in a fight, right? And you do that six or seven times a year, pretty soon your tribe has been halved, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's how it works. That's so conquering, one The homicide, the homicide rate, war was much more uh, costly. And I'll give you some numbers. There's numbers. So, uh, per capita death rates from war in hunter-gatherer, pre-civilized, farmer societies uh, could be as high as fifty percent on average—fifty percent of the whole population. Now, imagine if World War II had happened and
0: half of—that's of like Europe all time. the men, though.
1: No, they're not all men, but there are. It's mostly men. You're right. But they go, they go, they would go in and sack another village and kill everybody. In yeah. some cases, there's wow. there's evidence for that in North America. Well, there's do you think the presence of go- kill
0: everybody? Well, do you think that you know? Okay, so what you're saying is that like our ancestors that made it here to make us here uh, have you know been through this huge journey starting pre-government, right? The the idea of what government is, and now yeah. government I'm- is like starting to do you think the the presence of government have has contributed to the uh the lower bell curve of deaths like
1: yeah i mean within these like local wars it's something you would have to take under consideration you'd have i mean i would think so right you'd have to assume that yeah that you know now war still happens and it's still horrible and i want to point out like the, the total numbers of people who die in wars these days is off the charts compared to what it was
0: ten thousand years oh, ago. Oh, sure, because there's a lot okay. more population.
1: Though. Exactly, that's what you yeah. got to take in. And so, in, in Europe, yeah. in some of the most warlike civilized countries, like you know, uh, France in the in the like eighteen early eighteen hundreds is Napoleonic France. The the death rates per capita from war are like twelve percent at the highest. Right. And this this includes people who died from horrible diseases while they were out on the war path, right? So it's like it's it would be even more disproportionate if you were to uh really be able to figure out who died directly from combat. But yeah, yeah, the the, the numbers of people who died during World War Two are just absurd and outrageous, but proportionately and per capita, they're much lower than they were for hunter gatherers. Wow. Uh, so, so uh, e- that this is another thing. You know, it's a good time to be alive because even war is not as bad as it was. You know, ten thousand years ago. Well, I mean, you get and vaporized nowadays. That, yeah. <laughs> like- and you know, of course, the there could be a final war where we all get wiped out. And I don't want to, I don't want to make light of that either. But just in general, that's that's the trend. And it could be that ultimately, these big state level governments that make decisions. Um, could figure out a way out from underneath that problem, right? We could, we could all sign a big truce uh, and get rid of nuclear weapons and we'd be even better off, but mm-hmm. you get the idea, um, you know, okay. So let's look at some other uh, characteristics of hunter gatherer society, uh, death rates for infants, hunter gatherers up to 30%, 25 to 30% on that.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, but and- they didn't have contraceptives. Exactly. Exactly. Right.
1: Um, And they didn't have, you know, uh, maternal wards. right? They're just dropping them there in the jungle.
0: (laughs) I'll never forget Thomas Schiller talking about the time, you know, he was out on a field trip and uh, he saw a native, you know, in in Mexico, just lean up against a tree and drop a kid. Just like that. Picked it up and walked off. Yeah, it was on a a podcast. It was on our podcast. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah, and so it's crazy. You know, it, it, childbirth is a very dangerous thing. It's, yeah, it's it's a huge it's a huge killer. Um, it's not it's not uh, just an easy thing to do. And so that that and that that's been around for as long as humans have been around. Uh, so high death rate. Are you rate
0: sure rate about that?
1: Time? Yes, because here we're going <laughs> to. I know. Doing, I'm keep kidding. Running, I'm
0: kidding. Go ahead. Keep
1: turning back the clock until we talk about um our nearest ancestors chimpanzees, they have this same problem, high death rates in infants. It's characteristic of, of, um, our ancestors, our closest relatives, uh, human societies that are in developing country now. And it's really only in the last 150 years where these infant death rates have gone to just like one or 2% instead of 30%.
0: Is that because human intervention?
1: Of course it's because of medicine, right? And a right, lot of, the, yeah. a lot of these things, uh, you know, here's a shout out for science. A quick anecdote. Here, you get an anecdote. I was in a philosophy (laughs) class, and uh, my philosophy professor was uh, putting together a straw man, not on purpose, but he said, these scientists, he was saying it like science was- He was uh, building it up, right? Yeah. Yeah, He's like, these scientists say they're going to make us live forever, and they haven't done that. They never will. And I thought, this dude was like 78 years old and i've only thought of this you didn't experience the world later yeah but i was i was like dude the reason why you're even standing here is because of science yeah 100 years ago you would have died in your you know your average life expectancy was 40 not 75. wow so we've doubled science has doubled the human lifespan we've done all these things vaccines are part of this thing hygiene all this stuff was discovered by science by medicine and so you know how to deliver a baby safely That's, that's, you know, something we do, the keeping your baby from uh, communicable diseases in their first two years. That's, you know, the germ theory of disease.
0: That's science, baby. Well, that that, well, science is, uh, I mean, in concert with technology. I mean, science, technology is science.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you can't divorce science from medicine either. Well, you can try, but good luck. Yeah. So yeah. There's no. Say, well, well I mean,
0: homeopathic or whatever.
1: But. Yeah. That's all because of doctors. Like, look, the placebo. Placebo is always baby. a base. There you go. Null hypothesis. So yeah. Uh, there you go. So, For hunter gatherer societies, and okay, so war homicide are high places. Uh, are are ways to die. Something like thirty percent of adults due to war or homicide in hunter gatherer societies. Could you imagine? If 30% of people from Alpine died from war or homicide every year, how much we'd shout about that. And if you didn't die of somebody killing you, you died of infectious diseases. Wow. Where uh, if if you look at hunter-gatherer society, something like a third of infants die of infectious diseases. Middle childhood, it goes even higher. 60 to 70% of that age class, adults across all age classes, A good portion of the population is dying every year of infectious diseases. This is characteristic of developing countries, uh, of hunter-gatherers. This has been our history
0: for 90, this is why. But where's the line between infectious diseases and biological warfare? Because we used to, like, back in the day, we used to halt, like, literally, uh, people with the Black Death, we would, like, value them. And, like, you know, sling him in a giant ass slingshot over the castle walls, like to the siege that we're trying to take over. Yeah,
1: you know, that like, happened, that happened, but nobody how is that, that any that different now?
0: How is that any different now? Yeah. Uh,
1: nobody's doing that anymore.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But, you know, by a lot, so this, this was not be, during war, right? These are hunter gatherers that were studied in the 1960s in Venezuela. There's no war
0: going on. Oh, okay, in the 60s. Okay, all right, cool.
1: This is just, and, and you could look at any any group you wanted, and, and you can get data from, you know, from other... Uh, yeah, okay,
0: well, groups. that makes sense. That makes, that and, makes and it a lot more the sense.
1: Profile, the profile matches that of uh, wild chimpanzees, wild gorillas.
0: Yeah. And so this is the kind of, we're
1: zeroing in on the kind of uh, path and, and the sort of environment that we evolve from,
0: now, I'm not sure how much time we let, have left. Uh, we about uh, well, we're about to get to our next segment. So perfect. So when we come back,
1: I'll kind of merge this pattern of what it was like to live when we were hunter gatherers ten thousand years ago. What it's still like to a certain extent in developing countries, and we'll kind of look at how it's just like chimpanzees live. Cool. It's like wild gorillas have these same exact uh, you know profiles, except. Uh, there's there's a lot better chance of
0: getting killed by a leopard, which we can outrun. No, you can't. But yeah, well, we can outrun a leopard because uh, we talked about it during your and mine like uh, running uh, segment. <laughs> uh, listen to it on <laughs> oh, Spotify oh, oh, right oh. now.
1: Over the long distance.
0: Yeah, yeah, long distance. Yeah. 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 Okay. Got, All right.
1: If he's got the jump on you, you're dead.
0: No. If yeah, well, I mean, if we're in the radius, yeah, we're gone. We're toast. All right. We will be right back with science nights in the morning. All right, everybody back with the science night in the morning. Dr. Sean Graham, all the way from Australia, uh, hanging out with us here uh, on this uh, beautiful Saturday morning that we are experiencing right now. And you know what? It is good to be alive uh, right now, as we've uh, all uh, kind of uh, been uh, constituted to uh, realizing during this whole entire podcast. But uh, Dr. Sean Graham, uh, uh, let me ask you, man, like, so, all right, our prehistoric, our ancestral presence that we can only look back on now that we've never been able to shake hands with or, you know, actually live in that era. We have data from that era, right?
1: Yeah, so... We don't, we don't know what the direct ancestor of humans uh, was like exactly. We have fossils um, and we have, you know, tool assemblages and things. But fortunately, we do have a couple of our closest relatives uh, in the great apes that are still around. Now, these are not our direct ancestors. It's a common misconception, the idea that humans evolved from chimpanzees because we're, we share 98% of the DNA with chimpanzees. That's a misconception. Uh, chimpanzees and humans had a common ancestor. They had an ancestor in common. We diverged from that ancestor, j- and chimpanzees did also. And so chimpanzees diverged yeah. into more of a kind of a forest dwelling ape that was still tied to trees. And humans ev- uh, evolved along a line of more upright walking apes that lived in savannas until we got to where we are.
0: And chopped those trees cut- down, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and now you know human humans are a source of mortality for chimpanzees. We kill chimpanzees and eat them. And, and
0: really, uh, we that. eat sure, chimpanzees.
1: Sure, sure. And gorillas. Obviously, no way. Really? You know, really? Were, you know in, in a, oh yeah, uh, and vice versa. Every now and then, chimpanzees they eat uh, us. They'll run into a village and steal. a, a, a It's very rare, but it does happen. They're, they're huh? predatory. They're predatory as hell, and they're incredibly. They're warlike chimpanzees. Have about the same homicide rate as hunter-gatherer humans did. Can you believe that? If hundred twenty-seven hundred thousand, they'll go. They kill each other within the group and across groups. So that's a way.
0: So they will go on the warpath, dude. I, okay, yeah, that's that's creepy to me because I thought I knew everything after reading Michael Crichton's Congo. Yeah. Like, I'm not even joking, dude. Like, seriously. I think
1: actually hilarious. I've read that. And, and I remember him talking about chimpanzees snatching children in that book. It's super. Oh, amazing. yeah. It's hardly even worth mentioning, but it does happen. But the idea that they're, they go on the war path, it's very similar. So you can see how, you know, talking about chimpanzees and early humans makes sense. They are. Yeah. They're pretty closely related. And they have a lot of things in common. And they have a very typical uh, demographic profile as we've been talking about that you know, hunter-gatherer people had, uh, probably ancestral human populations, uh, you know, human ape hominids, <laughs> right? They probably had it. And then developing countries still have to this day. Super high infant mortality rate, 20% of, of the groups killed by, uh, you know, aggression within and between groups. Uh and huge numbers die every, uh, every year. 50 to 60% of the population can die across all age classes of infectious diseases every year. Hmm. There you go. So, exactly so there's
0: parallels here. Yeah, Huge
1: parallels. So you can see that for most of human history, we've had that same profile, uh, prone to violence, dying young, dying of infectious diseases. Uh, very few live to be old. Uh, and one big difference that may not have been very big between, uh, you know, chimpanzees, hunter gatherers, uh, which is totally different now. Another big thing and a telling example of something that's changed is that uh, up to forty one percent of mortality in chimpanzees at one site was caused by a leopard. Nearly population, nearly half the population in one year was smoked by a leopard. A single really? leopard. Yes. Yeah, what a, like a single friend. leopard? Yeah, like a. Do you think they turkey. made
0: myths about it? Like, did they tell their like kids yeah. and grandkids and uh, stuff?
1: Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. And that would be so crazy. People, just it, this thing just sets up shop. Yeah. Sneaking around and picks them off one by one when it's hungry for a whole year and smokes oh half the God. population nearly. And this is characteristic of primates uh, in Africa, in Asia, monkeys, uh, rainforest. Uh, 30% of the diet of leopards in African rainforests is primates. Well, okay, that that, that brings us back. huh? Gorillas. They can take gorillas.
0: Holy, well, yeah, that makes sense because they're faster. They have those claws that can lash out and break down the muscles. They get get them in
1: ambush. They they get them in ambush. They get them behind the neck. They never saw what was coming.
0: Uh, but but that's really interesting to me because, like, you know, it, it brings me back to the mythological times of our ancestors. Like we were talking earlier about the Maya and the Aztecs, like the jaguar was something to be worshipped. Right. Exactly. Like, so I wonder if the yes. jaguar was something that caused a huge mortality within well, that. Like, pers- yeah. Uh, like, you know, I think,
1: well, certainly they, they definitely they probably killed people occasionally.
0: And then we know that the uh, leopard our
1: jaguars can be man eaters. We finally know that uh, there's been a couple of case studies published uh, recently, so they do kill people, but yeah, we tend to venerate these things that are very powerful and 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 power can kind of go to two different ways: you can either venerate, you can like respect and like bow down to power, or you can fear power or you can do both and and guess which guess which animal constitutes and, and elicits the most of these kind of ambivalent fear slash respect across all human cultures for all of human.
0: I would have to say humans. for all of humankind in existence, like across the cultures, pinnacle, across the longest, cultures, uh, across species, so from,
1: from like some of the earliest, you know, I earliest, would say, dude,
0: A- 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 the noble A- otter. <laughs> it's a good
1: guess it's a good guess
0: With the beaver
1: yeah. seriously do you have a good do you have a real guess
0: uh well no uh well honestly i uh... snakes snakes really yes okay all so right you
1: bring it all the way full circle we we're talking to the
0: serpent them. the serpent of the uh the snake yeah. of knowledge
1: the snake of the everything. apple of truth right. Yeah and 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 cultures are all over the place and you know, most most have a kind of a, at least a healthy fear and respect but there are several lots of cultures that completely venerate snakes to the point where people will handle them and um respect them don't kill them you know in India and in North America and in, in Central America snakes were venerated they were also feared super ambivalent but it's across cultures. You look it nothing; nothing comes close to you know the mentions of snakes throughout literature, throughout history, carvings, you name it. And uh, it's the only animal that cross culturally uh, you find people dream about. The only animal across all human cultures. It's there's something. We, they, the snake has bored itself into our psyche.
0: <clears throat> well, yeah, but that that that's from where we can start you know, uh, recording dreams too. Right. right like, right. so, so we can record like people's accounts and we, you know, we have pencil and paper, we have easy ways to record all this, but then we have like, okay, of course. And let me tell you, I have, I've been lucid dreaming since I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so let me, I-, I can be honest with you. when I say, when I do see a snake, like I, it's my friend for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah, weird. Yeah. I don't is. get it.
1: it, it
0: yeah, there, we, we don't want to go, go into too much
1: of the psychology of it. Just a couple of those facts uh, laid out there. I think most people kind of understand, okay, yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, snakes, the venomous ones have been killing people for a long time. We don't have any data on the number of apes, uh, chimpanzees killed by venomous snakes. We don't right, know how yeah. many people, how, how many hunter-gatherers were killed by venomous snakes, but you get the idea that if, if you were out there, you know, based on current numbers, yeah. even now snakes are a huge killer of people, not in the U.S., but everywhere else. In it's India, for more, sure. Yeah, it, and per capita, it's nothing. It's it's a drop in the bucket. But, you know, the, the animal, the number one killer of humans um, directly is snakes. Hmm. Now you'll, you'll see those top 10 lists and it's like, you know, mosquito is number one. I
0: wonder if that is. like forged our own beliefs with deception and kind of honestly, when you think about it, okay, we're talking about death, right? We're talking about death per capita. We're talking about guns. We're talking about, you know, yeah. things that we are, have complete control over now. Right. In, in even advertising, when, when you see a McDonald's commercial, And you want to take a big old double cheeseburger to the face right there. You know, you're increasing your chances to heart disease, right? Right. But, but at the same time, like with the snakes, like we always are weary of who we trust. And I, do you think snakes has, you know, they have any kind of relation to it?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like, you know, people can learn to fear snakes so easily and yet if if you were to try to convince people to learn to fear the things they should fear, it would be nearly impossible. right Well, that's so, a deception. I, there's, there's a psychological study where yeah. they're trying to try to elicit the same fear in children to to convince them to wash their hands and use good hygiene right mm-hmm. because that's you know infectious diseases are way more likely to kill you than snakes, and yet you won't you'll never get kids to wash their hands if, if You could say all day you're going to get killed if you don't wash your hands and kids won't wash their hands but if you say watch out for that snake you'll you can give a kid a complete phobia of snakes where mm. they'll be deathly afraid of snakes and so snakes have this incredible ability to elicit phobias and it's got to be because for most of our history back from when we were chimpanzees they were this constant hazard that was probably on par or even higher if you look at the data now you know why big cats still kill people every year tigers lions leopards mountain lions uh, the numbers, yeah uh, the the numbers are not even worth talking about sure they're, they're,
0: they're, you know, but it's a legend it's, it's a mythos it's the fear yeah. it's the it's you
1: this, might uh, not get hit by an asteroid but the snakes still do kill you know it's it's in the hundreds of thousands of um, yeah. developing countries it's still per capita it's nothing. But man, for those people who get bit and, and barely survive, it wasn't nothing. And so they're still kind of there, still this interesting hazard. And so I think we brought the, the topic full circle. Australia yeah. does not have the most deadly snakes in the world. And what, you know, the difference is they've got an incredible medical uh, system. A, a kid, a kid, here's, here's what it's like in Australia. There's access to, for, for dogs to have Antibet. Uh Whenever the, uh, your dog gets bit by a deadly snake in Australia, you can take him to the vet and get antivenin. Wait, you
0: know, I, I apple, thought dogs automatically have that.
1: They, they, they have the same immune system that you do. It's just a little bit better. But in, in Australia, dogs get smoked a lot by, you know, they go after brown snakes. They oh, get, really? They, they can die. And, you know, your dog can be killed by a rattlesnake. They just have a, a slightly better immune system for that sort of thing than you do, but they, they can still die. And net currently, antivenom for dogs is not available in the US. It could be, but here's in Africa, you it's hard to find antivenom for people. So you have like a better chance of surviving a snake bite in Australia for, if you're a dog than you <laughs> do as a person in Africa. And that's wow. that's that's you know, that's developed, that's money. That's yeah, developed fair. country. Yeah, it's not yeah. fair, but that's privilege. Not the way privilege, it is. right? So Australia is—it's got you know—it's a good place. It's and it's never been better to be alive than it is right now, and across the world, it's getting better everywhere. That's a beautiful thing.
0: Well, you know what is also beautiful is that uh, like the first time that we run out of. Uh strained peaches at porters i'm going mad max on everybody so i'll be seeing you soon buddy (laughs) all right well that's another episode of science nights in the morning thank you sean uh we're gonna have another great episode for you next week Uh, keep tuning in and we'll see you next week Thanks for listening to this episode of Science Nights in the Morning. Be sure and follow us on Patreon for exclusive gear and uncut episodes. Check out the latest science articles on our Facebook page and subscribe to us on YouTube and your favorite podcast listening app. You can also listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time at BigBenRadio.com. And if you got a question, we'll join the discussion. Hit the hotline at 432-217-1983 and record your message. We couldn't do this without you. And thank you so much for listening each and every week. That's Science Nights in the morning with a K. And we'll see you next time.